Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's time for another edition of AEW Unrestricted, where we talk to people that are very valuable to our company. Oh, 100%. 100%. How you doing, Aubrey? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Tony? I'm doing great. I know Aubrey just had her uh, second vaccination. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm good as long as I'm not standing up. So, you know, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't get that. I had two Pfizer shots and I had no problems at all. And I, and I I'm allergic to a lot of stuff. So I, I didn't get it. Yeah. So. My husband got the Pfizer and he was totally fine. Uh, I got the Moderna and it is kicking my ass. So uh, we're doing an experiment in my household. So it's been fun. Mm, experiments. <laughs> So, by the way, I'm a man's man, so shots don't knock me down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we talked about we're going to be talking, and we do talk to people who are valuable to AEW, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. And one that we're going to talk to today is one of the most valuable people that we have. It is Sandra Gray, who is our costume designer, seamstress, most valuable person behind the scenes. Sandra, how are you this morning? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. What a great introduction. Wow. <laughs> well, you are the lead seamstress. I guess that's the proper word. And uh, Sandra, how did you first start hearing about AEW? Wow. I've always done um, outfits for Cody and Brandy and um, just happened to be hanging around their house. And they mentioned to me that something might be in the works, you know, in the future. And you know, I was like super interested in it. So the minute I heard that this was going on, I'm like, if you ever need a seamstress, please, I'm your girl. So it just it just went from there. So whose gear was the first that you designed for AEW? I guess probably the most memorable one that I can think of is uh, something that I did for Brit. Mm. And I'm not sure if it was our first pay-per-view, but... um. It was, um, I don't remember what the outfit was, but the times were extremely stressful because, um, I mean, oh my God, next level stress because, um, I kind of, I didn't put it off to the last minute, but it was so much gear to make. And I didn't realize the importance of, I guess the order of who comes first or whatever. So I'm just making gear anyway, hers got to the back. So that means I was last minute working on hers. Right. And the day I was there working on the, uh, costume her music was literally playing and she was putting on her tops the glue was still wet on the rhinestones she's running down the hall screaming rhinestone flying (laughs) so to this day i regret and i try so hard not to wait till the last minute but sometimes things just get out of control yeah and you just can't you know you just can't help it (laughs) you've got a number of people demanding your time backstage so i can't imagine yeah and one little bitty me one little me but i do the best i can I do the best I can. I'm trying to hold on. <laughs> I, I know a lot of, there's there's sometimes I ask you to press a shirt for me or and I feel bad about asking you that because I know that you're you know, you're right in front of the sewing machine or you're doing something with the rhinestones or or whatever it is. So I know that you're swamped. 
Sandra, have you ever talked to, I had a chance to talk to Tony Khan about his vision, what he wants to see. And I, I know every, every wrestler has their own personal vision about what they want to see for their costume. But has Tony Khan ever talked to you at all? Not as far as that's concerned. No, I don't have any idea about that. No, he's never talked to me about that. So I'm kind of curious because as as a referee, I don't really see this process. But how does the process for creating new gear start? If someone wants new gear, uh, I love it when they have their own ideas because I can get more of their personality and their concept into what they want. So they'll just come to me and um, with their ideas. And if they have something on paper, that's perfect. I love that. But if they don't, they can tell me what they want and I can kind of sketch it out and we'll just kind of hash it out back and forth until I come up with what they want and I'll show them fabric samples, put my little sketch on paper and, you know, put my ideas, just put our heads together and see what we can come up with. We're talking with Sandra Gray, lead seamstress for AEW. And uh, you mentioned the rhinestones were coming off of Brit. Yes. Uh, what, what Do you have any other uh, last minute wardrobe malfunctions that you had to fix? I have some from the, I don't know really I had to fix but I remember uh, early uh, in my career, the first kind of mal- wasn't really a malfunction, but the first thing that almost tanked everything was um, an outfit that I made for one of those capes I made for Johnny B. Bad, oh. who was by who was my first client that I've ever had in wrestling. It kind of broke me into the game. So um, I think it was a Halloween Havoc. I'm not sure which one it was, but he wanted a spider on his sequence cape. So. And I'm still young, new in the business, not knowing much about gear at all. And so I'm thinking, ooh, damn, spider. Couldn't figure out how many legs a spider had. Then it came to me eight. But I'm so busy trying to make an impression that I made this beautiful sequence cape with eight legs on each side of the spider. So 16 total? Yeah, 16 total. (laughs) I never thought about it. I was just so proud of myself. And, you know, I showed it to him and everything. And then somebody brought it to his attention. and. At that point, he could have said whatever, but he said, that's a bad spider. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so he loved it. He said, so I didn't worry about it. And it was just easy after that. I didn't worry about it. He really made me feel comfortable. But that was like, I guess my first big boo-boo. <laughs> so I know when, whenever I need a shirt tailored, I try and come to you as early as possible, because I imagine you've got a bunch of wrestlers who don't think about that sort of thing. I'm curious, what was the quickest turnaround time you've had for a piece of gear? Uh, it would probably be your last rep shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely be your last rep shirt because I had other things I was working on and it's right there. I wanted to get to it, but time goes by so dang fast. I'm like, shoot. And then I told you I'd have it ready. And then you left and I kept working, working, working on I'm going to get to it. And then you came back and you're like, makeup. And I'm like, shit, she's ready to go. <laughs> so uh, I said, can I have at least a few minutes? So you took off and went somewhere. And I literally, literally cut the sleeves off, flipped it inside out, stitched it up the side, cut the band off, cut the sleeve, put the band back, pressed it down flat and had it ready. It probably took me maybe a good 10 minutes. Wow. But that was the fastest ever. And I was like, I just can't let her come back and see this ref shirt not ready. She's got full makeup on. I normally I normally like to give it to you early, but I think that one was a little tricky just because I wasn't expecting to tear a hole in my shirt during Blood and Guts. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I can't really wear this one on TV. <laughs> you gave it to me early, but I didn't get to it early. 
So accept my apologies, please. Oh, of course. No, you make me look good. I can't ever be mad at you. I did pinch that waist in, didn't I? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Get that hourglass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that was by far probably the quickest thing ever. I, I know everybody, uh, not everybody, but the wrestlers come to you with their certain styles, colors that they want, designs. Is it hard keeping track of all this stuff? I mean, do you do you have a notebook where you write down, well, Chris Jericho wears black or somebody else wears blue and or you just keep it in your head? I definitely do have to keep a notebook, have to keep a notebook, but I don't usually forget what colors that they want. The thing I forget is who needs it when. Right. That's the problem. But I, I usually don't forget their style or what they like to wear. So um, a lot of times uh, I'm thinking if I'm not there at work and I'm in the fabric store or whatever and I see something that that person could use, I'm thinking, oh, this will look good on Chris Jericho or this will look good on whomever. Right. And I may just grab it and just put it in my stash. So when I'm ready, I'm good to go with it. But um, I don't I don't forget that. It's just the order that I kind of suck at a little bit because I want to do everything and I just time gets away. It sure does. Yeah, I wish I could just clone all this fabulousness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you're working with a lot of new talent at AEW, but I know you've worked with someone like Chris Jericho for a really, really long time. Is there any sort of like like what's it like working with someone who's a veteran like Chris? Do you do you tend to know what he wants? Like, uh, is this design process different for someone who's been doing it a lot longer versus someone who's generally new to the business? Um, the design process is pretty much the same. You know, we'll just get together, figure out what they want. And if they can give me the slightest idea or a hint of a color, I can take it from there because I know what they usually like to wear. And so, um, I'll show them different ideas and they'll go, yeah, let's do this or that. And, um, that's usually how we get it done. But, um, I don't usually have a problem with that at all. I wanted to ask you about this uh, when I first saw it, because we're seeing Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn have great gear. However, as of late, they've been coming out wrestling in what looks like street clothes. Do you do you work on those for them or they just throw on street clothes and go out and wrestle? Hmm. They have that is what their new uh, gear idea is supposed to be. Right. But uh, I think if they just they want to just bling it up a little bit more. But their whole idea is to bring it down a little bit. I think they should take it up a little bit higher, how they can go with it. But they want to just be more casual party type, I guess. I don't know. Right. But right. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if a few rhinestones is going to help, but I'm ready for some shiny spandex. <laughs> myself. Well, you know, they want to wear the what they would wear at the club, right? At, yeah, clubs. Um, I'm long past those days. I don't even know what they were in the club. And I don't know. <laughs> but for TV, I think more. I like the more fancy stuff, the more shiny stuff. Not necessarily shiny, but the more sparkly, the more stuff that catches the light and more costumey. Right. I don't know. Because they're not really coming from a club, so <laughs> put your costume on. Put your costume <laughs> on and get ready to do some work. There's so many lights. Like, it just makes a lot of sense to just add as many sparkles as possible. I might need to start adding some more to my ref shirt. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk. Let me know. I can hook that up. <laughs> start changing the game a little bit more. Um, so I'm curious, like, with tailoring, like, shirts and suits and all this kind of stuff, it's a very different skill set than something like making gear. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine a lot of it has to come down to the functionality aspect of it, that people are doing a lot of physical activity and crazy, you know, stunts per se. Uh, is there any sort of, like, how do you balance functionality of gear with creativity? 
lucky for me, uh, before I started my wrestling gear making career, I had a really long background in just dressmaking and tailoring and stuff like that. So when someone like you comes to me with uh, something that's not gear, but just a shirt that needs to get tailored, it comes pretty easy because that I had that knowledge way before I ever picked up a piece of spandex. So it's, it's, it's no problem. We're talking with Sandra Gray, who's been sewing, as you just heard, for many years, uh, makes gear and is our lead seamstress here in AEW. And uh, coming up, we'll talk about her years prior to AEW and how she got her start. This is Aubrey and Tony loving each other at AEW Unrestricted. Uh, I don't think people understand like how, because like, we'll, we'll do a lot of these Zoom calls, but I think anytime we see each other at, at work, it's always that moment of like, oh, my friends. Yeah, buddies. Absolutely. <laughs> so wonderful. It's great. Uh, speaking of buddies, we're here with uh, Sandra Gray, lead seamstress at AEW. We want to talk a little bit about, we, we've heard a bit about, you know, your day-to-day at work, but honestly, like how you came to sewing, because I, I believe if I've heard correctly, you were self-taught. 100% self-taught. This story goes back so long. I'm an army brat. My mom won a sewing machine playing bingo on the army base. No one in my family sews. And she had a uh, when she won, she could go to the table and pick whatever prize she wanted. We had a toaster. We had this and that. She saw a sewing machine. It was the biggest gift, so she brought it home. So I put it up on the kitchen table. Back then, I'm a little 14-year-old something, something. So we put it up. I put it up on the kitchen table and just started messing around with it. It was in the summer, so there was no school. And I'm kind of basically, I guess, a homebody anyway. So I just got some cheap fabric and started putting stuff. And this would have been in the 70s. So the first thing I think I tried to create for myself was a pair of, Aubrey, I don't know if you remember anything. I was probably too young. Hot pants. Oh, yeah. Tony, you might know about that. I know about hot pants. <laughs> I figured you would. It was it was that. And um, it was a horrible hot mess. But I had fun making it. And I can remember taking it to show it to my mom. And she said, um, something that still stick with me today. And she didn't, she said, always consider the quality first, not so much the quantity. Mm. And it just always has stuck with me. Right. You know, and so that kind of got me into doing that. And I just, one thing led to another. So by the time school started, I felt like I knew everything there was to know about the sewing machine. And I made my first outfit for a lady, not a lady, but another student when I was probably about, I guess about 16, about 16 years old. And um, she paid me for it. Wow. So now I'm thinking, you're going to pay me to do something I love to do? This might be something here. So it's something just something just clicked, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Fell in love with it at that point. So I made clothes for a lot of family friends, and, you know, it just took me to so many different eras. Um, uh, professional football, I've made cheerleading outfits. Um, I was like the queen of wedding gown and prom dresses, mother's dresses and uh, flower girls and stuff like that. And I loved it. I never saw a wrestling career or thought of that ever. Never would have occurred to me. But I just love the art of sewing. I loved it. Sandra, when you, uh, of course, as time goes by, you know, you mentioned hot pants and there's so many different designs that are, are based on the, the era that we're in. Yeah. Do you like to add to them or you like to come up with your own thing? Um, actually, um, cause I know there are patterns. My wife shows, I know there are patterns out there, but I wonder if you t- 
take a look at a pattern and say, hey, I don't like that. I can do this to it or, you know, come up with your own creation. Oh, oh, 100 percent. When I do uh, when I um, am designing regular clothes, mm -hmm. um, I would probably use a pattern if I like it for the base to go by. But I 100 percent add my own thing to it. Like I could take three different patterns, take a piece from each one, put them all together to create what I'm trying to get. But since the pattern has already been created, it's no point in me trying to recreate the wheel. I just take different pieces, put it together, and make what I want to make. Got it. I still do that. I love doing that. Love it. But my personal favorite, I uh, would have to say, is uh, would be vintage. Mm. Vintage and pinup clothing from the 40s and 50s. I'm obsessed with making and creating that. I just love it. I got to find somebody to put it on. <laughs> but I love, I love that. That is 100% my passion right now as far as creating sewing outfits. Well, that's wonderful. I don't know if people know, but like wedding dresses are no joke. Having paid too much money for a handful in my life, it's uh, there's there's some elaborate uh, work done in those to not only make them beautiful, but also keep everything in place and make people look the best on their most special day. Absolutely. So you'd mentioned making clothes for friends, wedding dresses, all this kind of stuff and never expecting to go into wrestling. So how did that transition happen? You had mentioned making gear for uh, Johnny B. Bad, but you know, you had worked for WWE for a number of years. WWE was not the first company I worked for. It was WCW. And it was quite by accident that um, I did that wrestling gear. I mean, I don't even know how to sew on spandex at that point. So anyway, I was really deep into my wedding gown. It was prom season. So I've got prom dresses to make. So anyway, Rena Mero Sable wasn't Sable back then. Was Rena Mero, who was Johnny B. Babs' girlfriend, went to one of the local fabric stores, and she needed um, a seamstress. So she asked one of the custom, uh, one of the people who employees who would could make a costume for my uh, boyfriend. So because I always make friends with people who work in my favorite place, the fabric store, they gave my name. And another lady's name, who was also was a friend of mine, and we did the same thing. So not knowing either one of us, she called her first. And then she couldn't do it because it was prom and bridal season. So she said to call me. So when she called me and was explaining to me that um, her boyfriend needed a costume and pretty quickly and that it was for wrestling, I'm like, I don't know how to sew on spandex. I have no idea. And she said, we're really in a bind. Could you please at least try to help? So I got after struggling with that, not knowing how to do it. I said, okay. And because I knew how to sew. So I said, okay, I got together with her. He had a pair of trunks that he wanted me to make. It was just a pair of trunks, but it was spandex. I don't know how to sew on spandex, but I gave it a shot. And for some reason, I didn't know how to, what stitch to use to make it not break. Okay. And it's a certain stitch I know now to do that. So, and it kept breaking on the side. Every time I would sew it, it would break. I did the best I could. I figured I just stitched it a million times. That'll do the trick. So, gave him the outfit, and I believe he did a pay-per-view in Charlotte. And when the pay-per-view was over, he called me. But backing up, during the match, the problem I was having um, on the side of the trunks, someone picked him up. I didn't even know what a turnbuckle was, but they picked him up by the side I was having the issues with and put him, yanked him or threw him on the top of this turnbuckle. And I'm freaking out. My whole family's screaming because we know these things are getting ready to come apart. But they didn't. They didn't. So they uh, 
when it was over, he called me and thanked me. And my name just got kind of passed around through the company, like who did your gear? And he mentioned my name and it just went through the company like that. And I ended up sewing for a lot of people from WCW and they would all come to my little cul-de-sac to get their gear made. And I'm still never thinking this is going to be a career. I'm trying to get this stuff done so I can get back to the prom dresses, not even knowing what was ahead of me. <laughs> but that was my first experience into wrestling gear. So that was like in the early to mid nineties. And so you were at home watching the match. When did you start going backstage and working like full time? I I've ne- had never been to, uh, been to a match, but I went to my first match was with them and it was in Marietta. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I went to my first match there and they took me to that. And I was kind of blown away by what I saw. Right. God, I can't believe how fast the time has gone by. Yeah, I know. But um, first uh, coming to, I guess, to be backstage and working for the company, a uh, little time went on and I started um, after I figured that problem dress was over, season was over. And I'm still doing a little bit more wrestling outfits because once your name spread through the company, and your gear's looking pretty good, people start to come to you and to trust you. So I was also sewing for WWF at the time, just a few people privately at home, Right. same as I was doing for WCW. And it got to a point where I got pretty busy and I had to push the prom stuff off. And um, I can remember, I believe it was Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth, yeah because I had been doing a lot of stuff with them as well. And um, they told some of the people who were in charge at WCW that if I wasn't contracted with the company, WWF might give me a contract and I wouldn't be able to work for them anymore. Because back then, you know, you did one, one kind of one or the other once you're contracted. Right. So I wasn't contracted. I'm just on for whoever's asking. So immediately... I got called into the office and uh, to talk about a contract deal and all of that. And I'm so excited. I don't know what to expect, but I go in there and I make my deal. And I ended up with leaving that day with a ticket to go to my first wrestling show. Hmm. And I believe that was in, I want to say Philadelphia. And I was told to be that I'm nervous now at this show because I don't know what to expect. And, um, they had never had a rest, uh, wardrobe department before. So I basically created the one and only wardrobe department that WCW ever had. Right. And it was the only one that worked in it. So I, I um, went to my first trip and they said to be there at two o'clock. Call time was two o'clock. I don't know any better. So I get in my car and I'm waiting right until it's just about enough time for me to walk in my car into the building because I don't know I can be there a minute before two. So right when it's enough time, I just go in there and it's right at two o'clock as I get inside. Everybody's already there. And I set my little sewing machine stuff up and everything. And that was my first time being backstage was at WC, one of the WCW events. And I had my machine, everything with me, ready to set up and do business. Wow. And it was great. So much fun. But I'm now I know call times two o'clock, be there at two o'clock, but you can be there early. It's okay. But I was so nervous. I didn't know what to do or what to expect. So I've learned a lot along the way. Do you ever get a chance to watch the show while you're out there? Now? Yeah. Yeah. If I want to go out there and take a peek, I will. And I will definitely go out there if it's somebody I need to, that I just made outfit for. And I need to see what it looks like up close and personal and make sure it's holding up. And I try to make sure that 
nobody's tugging or pulling down or touching anything. Because to me, if you're touching or pulling down your shorts or yanking something, something's not fitting right. So now I have a problem. So I'm usually running out there and checking just to see, you know, make sure everything's okay. But not too often. I usually try to stay in my area and, you know, it's so much going on in my little area with different people that need stuff. So I'm not sitting out there watching the show all the time. But I do love to sneak a live peek. We are talking with Sandra Gray, lead seamstress for AEW. And Sandra, you also worked on Total Divas, didn't you? Yes, I did. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet that was. Uh, it had to also be some, uh, I don't know, some pressure maybe. Of course, all those women. Yeah. Making outfits for all... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would say so, yeah. Right. It was fun, though, but it was, um, I think some of the stuff that came down to last minute, actually, another last minute issue, I hate that, was probably the first time that they filmed. I had my mom with me. My mom was with me backstage and I taught my mom how to glue rhinestones on. So she's still my rhinestone diva and she's like 83 years old. She still helps me out with that. So the first event, was it the Bellas? I believe it was that had to do outfits for the Bellas and um, the Funkadactyls. It was mm-hmm. a big pay-per-view that they were going to, was WrestleMania they were going to be on. And again, I didn't have the outfits completed, but I'm getting them completed at the show. And I had plenty of time, but they just kept coming to check on me. And that drove me crazy. Like, stop checking on me. I'm going to do it. Just let me do it. And stop checking on me. Damn. It was ridiculous. They drove me crazy with all the walking back and forth. And I'm going as fast as I can. And my poor mom is sitting here gluing rhinestones. And we had a few heated words between us when it got to the last minute. I had the outfits ready, but it was stressful. When it was over, that was probably the most stressful was the very first one. And then not only that, it made it more stressful because cameras were there in your face. And I just, you know, I'm not used to that. I've never had that before. So it was just a hot mess for me. Looking back, it's funny now. But it wasn't funny back then. It was stressful. <laughs> I was sweating bullets. I was sweating big bullets back then trying to get this ready. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. We're talking with Sandra Gray, lead seamstress at AEW. Coming up, we've got some Q&A fan questions from Twitter. This will be exciting. AEW Unrestricted, Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards here with the wonderful and amazing Sandra Gray, a Miss Sandra, as we all know her. Uh, we've got quite a few fan questions from Twitter. You've uh, You've got... Quite the reputation that you've developed over the years. So I know that a lot of people were very excited when we said we were bringing you in today. So we got a question from Joe on Twitter. Uh, how often do you find out that people are coming to AEW as wrestlers before others in the company? I only find out if they need me to make gear for them. And I'll get a good heads up on that. But other than that, I, there's no reason to let me know. Only if they need to get gear made. A little bit of time, enough to make gear. Uh, Notorious Biz, that's Notorious B-I-Z on Twitter, wants to know, were there any mishaps or wardrobe malfunctions that you got heat for? Okay, I remember, I remember, uh, this was back in the day, though, it was kind of like, um, uh, there was two malfunctions. One of them would have been um, Lex Luger. Mm. Ooh, he had switched over from wearing some stuff he always wore to doing something different, and it was breakaway pants. And I put the snaps down the side. Practice it at home on myself, breaking them away real quick, perfectly. The night of the match, when he got in the ring, he's standing there all muscled and baby oiled up, and he went to break his pants away, 
and they didn't break away. Mm. And they just, he ended up just pushing them down and stepping them out of them real, real hard, but they didn't break away. And I was horrified and he didn't, I didn't get, he didn't give me grief because of that, but I just beat myself up about it. But, um, those pants did not break away. And the other one, um, would have been, I believe the demon, the demon cape, but this wasn't, this probably wasn't a malfunction. Maybe, uh, the demon cape was super just, took forever to make number one and he came out with the big uh i guess the coffin thing or whatever he popped out was supposed to pop out of he didn't it didn't pop out oh i know do you remember that tony oh yes i do <laughs> he did pop out <laughs> but um the cape was like everything but the thing just never did open so that was like a malfunction but one more that i remember from w uh wwe would have been um i believe an eva marie top strap broke Mm. And the broke on a Layla top once before. And um, they're in the ring. The top broke. Uh, it was hor- It was horrible. And I don't remember them like being mean or saying anything ugly, but I did get the side eye. <laughs> <laughs> but I beat myself up so much for stuff like that. So after those malfunctions, I am super, super careful to make sure nothing's going to happen. So when I'm making gear, I'm pulling and stretching and, doing everything I can. So I'm not worried about that anymore. I hope I've had my last malfunction. <laughs> that, that scene from, uh, from the Dale Torborg, by the way, was the, was the, was the kiss demon. And yes. of course it was, it was a, a character that was approved by Gene Simmons. And we did a lot. I mean, he had uh, a God of Thunder, Gene Simmons music coming out. And I remember Sandra, it was like a scene from Spinal Tap to where the pod didn't open. Yeah. So you, you think that it was, Part of the of, of the cape, I think it was the pod just didn't open that time. I don't know if it was the pod just open or my cape was stuck in it, but I felt I just always have felt like it was something that I did because I'm just watching anxiously, waiting for him to pop out and like ta da! Yeah, but I didn't get that moment. You know, <laughs> so I'm like I just know that that cape, I know it was stuck somewhere that caused that not to happen. So I've always felt like that was my fault. Yeah, well, listen, it's a memorable scene. It's one that's stuck in my brain. There's a lot of things they, they ask, what do you remember? I say, I remember the demon getting stuck and not being able to pop out. So there you go. Hopefully it wasn't me, but I've always felt like that was something to do with something I did. Yeah, I get it. At that time, I understand how you feel. But now looking back on it years later, it was a great moment. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, it was. And a memorable one. That's right. A memorable one. Yeah. <laughs> Rochelle WM on Twitter says, what gear was the most difficult to get right? To get right, probably, okay, I'm really bad at characters, but it was a WrestleMania that I did an um, a outfit for Cody when he was Star? Stardust? Stardust, yeah. How could I forget that? It was a Stardust thing, and I think it was a pay-per-view, and it was orange and black. Or you might know what the character was with the orange, with the things, that the little sprout things that were sticking out. Uh, it was orange and black. Ugh. I don't remember what it was. It was based on some character from a, a video, I believe. Anyway, these things had to stick out. First of all, getting them, transporting them from my house, and I was traveling then, to get all this stuff to the show was one thing. But um, that was probably the most difficult was to make them stand out. And I don't even know how I did it. And it was extremely stressful figuring it out. But I remember spending some time in Home Depot <laughs> trying to make that work. <laughs> trying to figure that out. In the end, it was pretty cool looking, though. 
in the end. But that was probably the most difficult ones. And the gloves that went with it, with the star in the middle. Making gloves is hard enough, but now he wants a star in the middle and it had to meet. That was very, very, very difficult. And so to this day, when someone asked me to make gloves, I'm giving side eye. <laughs> and somebody just recently asked me to make gloves and they're getting a lot of side eye. <laughs> we'll start passing that around backstage. Like, don't ask Sandra for gloves. Gloves? I can do it. Ooh, but, hmm. but you're going to get the side eye. Yeah. You're going to get side eye. No <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> Uh, Cookie Dough on Twitter. Uh, this is a loaded one here. Uh, Cookie Dough on Twitter wants to know, what's the most politically incorrect requested gear that you've ever had to make and who was it for? Politically incorrect? Mm-hmm. I don't believe I've had ever had been asked anything like that, and I wouldn't do it anyway, but I don't think anybody's tried me like that. Okay. No. Good. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad they haven't tried you like that. Yes. No, because some things, some things I'm just, no, I'm not doing that. No. Right. Period. Got you. <laughs> no, because at the end of the day, when they step out there in front of the world, that's my reputation out there. That's true. Yeah. You had mentioned uh, in the previous question that you had spent some time at Home Depot. I'm curious, like, what are the craziest supplies that you've had to use to create costumes? Well, I tried a this I tried a metal board that I had to cut with uh, wire cutters and uh that wasn't working to make these things. So I ended up with the thickest wire that I could find to make those things stand up. So probably would just be like a heavy wire and wire the thickest wire cutters I could find. And I still have those cutters and I still use them today on certain things. What do you end up using them on? <laughs> um I use them like to cut chains and something that's really something with metal. Anything with metal, like basically cutting chains open and stuff like that. But I like Home Depot for costume. I'm like, Ooh, what's going to happen? I like it. <laughs> a little bit different than the fabric store. Oh, yeah. A little bit different. Yeah, I like it. Blue Devil Joey 32 on Twitter wants to know, uh, how about working with Clint? Now, Clint is kind of uh, was brought in to help you out. And uh, Clint's been doing it for quite a while. How, how's it working with him? I love I love working with Clint. Um I really love working with him. I think he's very creative and we get along great. I love his personality and I love the way we work off of each other. I mean, I feel like if something happens and I need help at the last minute or if he needs help, I got his back and he got mine. And he's just he's 100% on my team and I'm on his. I love working with him. Yeah, he's uh, and he has plenty of experience in making uh, wrestling gear. Exactly. And the cool thing I love about Clint is some of the things that I hate to do. Clint loves to do, and he's good at it. Does he do gloves? <laughs> no, it's not gloves. <laughs> Actually, uh, it's not gloves. It's anything with a lot of padding, that thick, heavy padding, right? like knee pads and kick pads. I don't like doing that. And he's very good at doing that. So I love to just scoot it right on over to him. And he always is gracious enough to do it. Yeah, I I love having him backstage. Yeah, me too. And now um, the talent is getting used to the fact that, okay, well, she's not going to make this part. So I'm just going to go and talk to him about that. Right. So now it's it's starting to work out pretty good. We're trying to flow together really well. But I love Clint. Uh, Matt White on Twitter asks, who have been some of your favorite wrestlers to work with? I I like a lot of them, but one of my favorite would have been from back in the day, I would say Sable. I would say her because the, the little cat suits and stuff that she used to wear. Once I got the fit perfect, I could pop him out like that. And she was super easy to work with and open to any suggestions that I had as far as change and like just open game to try anything. And I like that. 
and that fabric was brand new. So it was a big deal to, you know, to make something out of that and to see somebody wearing it so flawlessly once I got the pattern figured out. So she was, uh, she made it easy for me. And she was basically your first one. So you remember that, right? Yeah. One of my first females. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sandra, uh, DV, that's DV on Twitter. Do you ever make wrestling masks? I, the only wrestling mask, not generally, but I recently made a, a mask for uh, a super fan, AEW super fan, uh, Shorty Fury. Yeah. I made a, uh, it was um kind of like a luchador mask, but, um, I just felt my way through it. I basically went to YouTube, figured out how to make a mask and just did it on myself. And then I got a, um, a head that you get from that. You put a wig stand. Right. Wig head. I got that and just kind of made a little pattern from that and put it on myself and put it on the wig stand, make sure I could see and just did that. But I don't usually have experience making masks. I don't think it's anything I would enjoy either. Masks and gloves are big no-nos for Sandra. That's what we've learned today. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Once or twice, maybe. Uh, Noah on Twitter asks, is there any wrestlers that you've wanted to make gear for but have never gotten the chance? Um, no, not really. Everybody just comes to you. You got it all. <laughs> no, because I'm pretty, I stay pretty busy and I do the stuff I want to do and the stuff I'm asked to do, I try to do it to the best of my ability, but it's nobody that I've been like, oh my God, I wish I could have done that. No, not anybody. Sandra, we're... we're... We're so excited to have you with us now. One other question. You retired in what, from 20 and 2015 from the WWE? I wouldn't say retired. Okay. I left. I wouldn't say retired. What actually happened was um, it was more personal than anything. My husband was extremely ill mm -hmm. and my contract was due to expire. Right. Right at the same time. And they just decided not to re-sign me. So it wasn't like I was went into retirement. No, they just decided not to resign me. Gotcha. And I needed to be home with my husband anyway. So everything worked out perfectly. Okay. And so when AEW came calling, I guess that was, uh, that was, you, that was an easy decision for you to make, or was it? It was a very easy decision to make. I didn't have to think about it at all. I was super excited about it because a few years had passed by and, um, uh, his health got better and I never stopped doing wrestling gear. Okay. So in my spare time, people were still coming to me to do gear. So that doesn't sound like retirement if I'm still making gear. So I really never missed a beat. I just missed the beat on the road. Got you. So, yeah. So when AEW came calling, I'm like, ooh, yes, let's get it going. Get back to it. Love it. Yeah. Get back to it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Like, this was just a wonderful conversation. And I know you're always super busy backstage, so it was great to have a chance to just sit and talk and you're not furiously trying to like wrap up someone's gear as a wrestler's breathing down your neck, adding rhinestones to things. Thank you so much for being here today, Sandra. Very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Another thing Sandra does behind the scenes, she has the best music of anyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're always dancing down the hallway. I love that. Tony, you got some good cool moves, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love dancing with Rebel. I, I really do. Just Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're a rebel. Oh, my God. I wish the world could see that. The world needs to see that. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. I'm so afraid you're going to bump into my machine and knock something over one of these. <laughs> Just grooving too hard. It's fun watching you guys. All right. So you can follow Miss Sandra Gray on Twitter at SGO Vintage and on Instagram at SGO Vintage. So make sure you do that. Thank you so much for having me. You can listen to the AEW Unrestricted Podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating, review. Uh, while you're there and definitely check out the video versions of the podcast that go up on YouTube 
uh, on Mondays. Just search AEW Unrestricted. Don't forget AEW Elevation comes your way Monday nights on YouTube and AEW Dark Tuesday nights on YouTube. But then on Wednesdays, Aubrey, we got AEW Dynamite, 8 o'clock, 7 central on TNT. I'm Tony Schiavone. I'm Aubrey Edwards. Thanks for listening to Unrestricted. Hooray. Hooray.